Rick Jensen on 1150 AM, 101.7 FM, WDEL. Throughout the pandemic, you know, I, I brought to you a number of different people whom I had uh, searched for, uh, talked with, interviewed, if you will, before bringing them to the air. Talk about a lot of different things. You know, the anxieties of... Uh, sheltering at home and, and the financial difficulties uh, so many of us are having, and uh, as well as unemployment problems, benefits and such. And then I met Dr. Jerry Lynn. She's a psychologist. Grew up in the open-air drug market of Kensington. And I want to get to that in this conversation because it's a stunning story. You know, how do you survive that? How do you thrive through that as well? But in addition to that, I think more importantly, we'll start off with so many anxieties so many of you have going back to the workplace. Um, There's mask anxieties, things that I didn't even know about, but I talk with Jerry Lynn and learn about it, and then she's awesome in kind of guiding us through these things. Hey, Jerry Lynn, how are you? Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm well, thanks. I know, you're always upbeat, perky, and positive. I love that. Yeah, I try. <laughs> I think you succeed. You do. And it's uh, it's contagious in a good way, too. So you and I were talking about back-to-work anxieties a lot of people have. And and by the way, if you know somebody who has back-to-work anxieties, like, oh, I don't know, I've been li- at home for the whole year. I'm really nervous about getting back in front of people. And just make sure they're listening. Uh, give them a call, text them, tweet them, Facebook them right now and tell them to turn on 101.7 FM, 1150 AM WDEL. You can stream us live at WDEL.com. We'll get this on the podcast page later at WDEL.com. So you and I were talking about this, and you did mention mask anxiety, and it's it's like yeah. I just get cranky about it. I'm fully vaccinated. The CDC yeah. says game on, and they actually said go out and do what you did before the pandemic back in 2019 if you're fully vaccinated. Well, mm-hmm. obviously, their businesses are saying, yeah, not, not so fast, and that's cool. You have the government not following the guidelines and saying not yet. So I think there's a lot of confusion out there. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, I agree, absolutely. And and with confusion breeds anxiety, um, like it has throughout this whole entire pandemic, because, you know, we as human beings, we want to go to the experts and look to the experts for the answers, because we don't know. And even the experts, you know, sometimes haven't aligned or have been consistent with their messaging to the public, which really creates even more anxiety. And I experienced it myself this past week at the supermarket of all places. Um, I was all ready to go. I got out of my car and, you know, I I couldn't tell you how many times through the pandemic I've gotten out of the car, gotten halfway to the door and then was like, oh man, I forgot my mask. Yes. Or even at the grocery store, you forget the bags in the trunk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that, yeah. Oh, don't even get me started on that. I do that all the time. Right. Um, so I, I, I was prepared. Like I had my mask on my wrist because I wait to the very last second to, oh. to put that mask on. So I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to walk in the door and it says, you know, if you have been fully vaccinated, you no longer have to wear a mask. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. So I'm, I'm getting ready to walk into the supermarket all excited, right? Because this is like the first time I'm not breaking a sweat while I'm food shopping because I get like all sweaty and nasty behind my mask. <laughs> and yeah, and I walked yeah. in and I saw a couple of the um, 
employees without a mask. I'm like, oh, this is great. So I'm like, I'm like waving. I'm like so excited, like a kid at a candy store. And then I'm looking around and I'm seeing like a lot of people with their masks on. And I'm like, okay, well maybe, you know, the first couple of people I pass, I'm like, oh, maybe they're just like not fully vaccinated yet. Like, that's cool. I totally get it. But after kind of going through and scanning the supermarket as I'm shopping, the vast majority of people, well over 60%, 70%, still were wearing a mask. And then I started to feel bad. Like then my anxiety started. I'm like, wait a minute, am I doing something wrong here? Should I, should I still put my mask on? And then I'm literally in the supermarket with the mask, like around my chin, like putting it up, pulling it down. I'm, I felt, <laughs> I felt crazy. So I totally, I actually felt a little nuts because even though it said that, I don't feel like everybody is doing that even though that's the guidance because they're still anxious, rightfully so. But, you know, their kind of decision-making and anxiety around still wearing their mask created more of a social anxiety in me. Yeah. Um, Because it wasn't that I was anxious about contracting anything because, you know, it wasn't in that regard or like a health anxiety. It was like, oh, my gosh, everybody's looking at me anxiety. So it it was just very interesting to experience. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think uh, that they were feeling anxieties because you're not wearing a mask or – do you feel like they were just judging you? I felt, um, I kind of felt there were some people who cared, but then I got some glares. Like there were some glaring kind of stares, and I, I got, I got more of the judginess. Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of how I felt. I felt like I was being judged or even associated with a, a particular political party. It was so weird, all of the internal dialogue that was going through my head, because I'm not really somebody who's into politics and. Um, not, you know, necessarily someone who, who, who has a strong standing. Um, and I, that even went through my head. Yeah. But you know, the division, it's like, oh, well, if you're, if you're not wearing a mask, you must be a Republican. It's like, well, (laughs) no, I mean, uh, for example, I went to constitution yards on Saturday, great pop-up, uh, beer garden. It is just so much fun. A great band was playing. What the funk? And it's a great bit. No, really, it's it's. I have to make sure I say funk. Yeah, and they're awesome. There were hundreds of people there, and I know people there who are indeed very active liberal Democrats. Everybody had their masks off. They were loving life, chatting up everybody else. You know, having a couple of uh, adult beverages. It it was totally apolitical. It was like, oh great, we're out, and we can be with other people and enjoy music. And look, here's a dogfish head beer. Oh, my gosh. That's what it was like. So I, I wonder if maybe people who are politically oriented make a big, bigger deal about that than, than other folks. I could be wrong, but I just wonder. I'm trying to help you with your anxiety here. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's I, not I, you. I, I, <laughs> no, I... I appreciate it because, and now I kind of, you know, I've been, I feel like that's my second home. It's like, you know, working from home and seeing patients, spend time with my kids. And then I think I spend more time at the supermarket Yeah. or, or not true, but I spend a lot. Like I'll, I go back. And so now I'm just kind of like, I'm going to embrace it this time. So I, I, I pepped myself up. I'm like, I'm not wearing a mask. Like I'm not doing it. Like I'm not doing it. And I'm going to be like happy about it. And I'm not going to be mask shamed. So that's my goal today is to kind of go in, not even put it on my wrist not even wrap it around my chin in case I want to do that, put it up, put it down thing. Nope, I'm not going to give myself the option. I'm going to go in, hold my head high, and be proud that I don't have my mask on. Now, now what do you say, because, you know, if you don't know, I mean, folks, if you're listening, you don't know, Geraldine is a, she's a psychologist. And, um, and, And I'm wondering, you know, how do you help someone who's listening who's maybe, you know, 
doesn't feel that comfortable saying, yeah, I'm going to just go into the store where they don't require a mask and smile and game on. How do you help someone get through that if they are feeling really anxious about that? So, yeah, so I I had this conversation earlier this week with um, with a colleague of mine who, um, you know, has a has a chronic illness, you know, just asthma. It's nothing, you know, it's nothing, you know, that's deadly yeah, but or anything. Yeah, with COVID, but, it could be, yeah. Yes, really, really bad asthma. And, you know, takes care of herself and, like, all of that. And, you know, the way that we kind of left the conversation was you have to do what makes you feel comfortable. And even though state regulations or county, even, you know, even by county, things are so different. And county regulations in regard to things like going to the supermarket has become more lax and a mask is, you know, isn't required for people who are vaccinated. I think my messaging to her would be what it what it would be for myself and really just doing what makes you feel comfortable. And if you're not comfortable at this point in time, you know, not wearing a mask because that's what the direction has been, it doesn't matter. You don't have to because we're, wearing your mask is not hurting anyone else um, and it's making you feel better. So continue to do what makes you feel better. And then maybe, you know, practice what we call kind of like a, a gradual exposure. So instead of like diving in head first to going out to a restaurant with 25 of your closest friends that you haven't <laughs> seen in, in 15 yeah, months, right? like let's just dial it back. Like maybe just, you know, go to a restaurant with like your favorite couple that you hang out with or even going over that, you know, that person's house or inviting someone into your home that hasn't been in your home. Kind of like taking it slow and at your own pace. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Good. So that's kind of a nice, easy way to get back to society. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Without, you know, again, without kind of like I succumb to myself feeling that pressure of having to do something, you know, kind of just take it at your at, at your own pace. And then once you do it a couple of times and you see that, OK, it was OK, it wasn't that bad, then your anxiety will naturally start to decrease. And then you may expose yourself to something a little bit more uh, public and just kind of take baby steps. How, how do you work with folks who, like, for example, in their own home, in their household, uh, family members might have big arguments about whether or not to wear a mask? Has, have you had any clients or any any patients who have actually had to uh, to deal with this kind of situation? Yeah. So I, um, it's funny that you say that. A lot of you know patients and folks that I've been working with, the referral has been anxiety and depression. And of course, you know, some substance use. But this one particular um, client that I work with um, is is traditionally, or I guess I would say, organically anxious. So even pre-COVID, is someone who is anxious and has, you know, does a lot in therapy to work on her anxiety. So when COVID hit, there was a heightened anxiety around health and and contracting, you know, the virus and things of that nature. And this person just so happens to work in the medical supply industry where you know, she was working a lot of hours each week, making sure that hospitals had the appropriate, you know, supplies that they needed to protect themselves. Whoa, whoa! So, you mean she she works in a company that that manufactures like PPE? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the N95 masks and stuff like that. Yes. Wow. So her, oh, yeah, wow. her week, her, yeah, her week, her work week went from a traditional forty to at the height of the pandemic, eighty hours. Oh man. Um, so there was like all of that 
you know, anxiety and, and just trying to keep up and manage that. And then on top of that, it comes from a very large family with a lot of siblings. And, um, you know, in working with her, um, you know, I learned that through this, there's been a lot of kind of, you know, tension and stress. Um, regarding, you know, the appropriate protocols you should take to protect yourself, you know, from, from the virus within the family. And the family had, had been very conservative and they took all of the right measures. But now that we have this happening, which is the reopening anxiety and things starting to open, even though this virus is still very present, there was like a lot of conflict in within the family, within siblings, within parents. And, you know, she's kind of thrust in the middle of all of it. And, you know, trying to kind of decrease and de-escalate everyone's anxiety about that, um, putting her own fears aside. And it, it's just really difficult, you know, to, to, to kind of witness and to be a part of when you have somebody struggling, not so much because of of their own fear and anxiety about contracting the virus because she's very well educated and she's vaccinated yeah. and, and she feels okay herself, but just trying to manage, you know, the fights within the family, that one family member who's a lot more kind of um, less conservative and one family member who's very conservative and trying to, like, you know, play referee. So, so if, so know, if, someone's, if someone's listening right now and they're in a situation like that, um, yeah. what's your advice? You know, I, uh, I don't think that there's any, to be honest, there's not any one piece of advice that I could give that would really help someone feel a lot better because when it comes to family dynamics, it, you kind of feel like it's a lose-lose situation. You're going to, you know, no matter how diplomatic you try to be, no matter how you try to see both sides, especially when it comes to situations like this, someone's getting pissed off at you and someone's feelings are getting hurt even though you're trying to handle it to the best of your ability. So my advice really isn't so much on how to like keep other people happy. It's what do you have to do to keep yourself sane and, and to keep yourself feeling good during this, because no matter what you do, you're, you know, there's going to be someone unhappy uh, when you're trying to intervene or help. Yeah, that's good. And especially if someone who tries to please everybody, Oh, I got to try to please my brother. Oh, there's my mother. And you know what? You, You can't do that. Good, good advice, and sometimes we have to be reminded of that, especially if you're from a big family. Um, speaking of families, I, I want to get to this because you mentioned that you have anxieties as well, and I want people mm-hmm. to know where you come from because, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we know where someone comes from, and they've uh, they've overcome some real serious uh, struggles, and that's actually one of the reasons why you got into psychology and became a, a psychologist with a doctorate. You grew up in Kensington, the open-air drug market, both your parents struggling with addiction. We talked about this last time, but I got to know, how is it that you could grow up in this environment and did not become addicted to heroin? Yeah, so um, I get this question a lot. And I've I've done a lot of like work in in my own therapy and just like self reflecting and all of that kind of good stuff. And you know, as a psychologist, you want to know, know why. Like, why did you turn out okay, and why did some of your peers and people you were close with in a similar circumstance not? And the one thing that I think has been consistent that I can look to from an intellectual standpoint is, believe it or not, 
the openness and education that I got from my parents regarding addiction starting at a very, very, very young age. So, like, talking about drugs, sex, and rock and roll is totally an uncomfortable conversation for most parents out there in America. They depend on, you know, the, the health and phys ed teachers to talk about safe sex practices. So, you know, talking about drugs and talking about addiction is something that a lot of families don't feel comfortable approaching because they don't know how to. But my parents, with very little education, um, made an a point to start talking to me about it around the age of five years old when my dad got out of prison um, for possession and manufacturing of methamphetamine. And when he got out of prison, you know, prior to that, it was really, really bad. My mom was supposed to kind of take over this drug empire and, and keep things going for my dad from like the illegal business standpoint. And she, she just fell apart because she really, there was a lot of codependency and she loved my dad and she was young and she started to drink and, and, and use pills and do all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was homeless for a period of time and I, re I remember that and I remember being feeling unsafe and scared as a kid and my dad from prison actually got me kind of kidnapped away from my mom off the street from her from her own sister and you know taken care of the point in, in kind of disclosing all, all of that with the listening audience is that when my dad got out of prison and my parents did reconcile <clears throat> my dad was clean and sober and he started to explain to me at the age of five, you know, what the consequences of using drugs is. And the way that he described it to me was a monster that lived inside my brain. Mm. So at five, I'm like, what the, <laughs> like, you're kind of scared a little bit, right? Yeah. But my dad was a pretty cool dude. And um, he had a way of talking kind of like you do, like where people just want to listen, right? He's charismatic. And the way that he talked to me was age appropriate on my level. And he said, you know, look, look what I've been through. Like, look what you've been through, Jerry Lynn, like, you know, not having a home. And now we're in a two room efficiency. We were in a two, not two bedroom, yeah. a two room efficiency. The bathroom was in the hallway. My mom cooked off of a hot plate after losing everything that we had because of all the drug stuff. And he's like, you don't want to end up like that. And a lot of it's because of drugs I did, things that I put in my body that were bad for me. And it kind of made me do things that I knew were wrong that I didn't want to do. So it was kind of like waking up this monster that had me do bad things so that I could continue to use drugs. Now you had and friends, but you had friends who used uh, as you were yeah. growing up and that stayed with you even uh, when you were in your teen years. Yeah, and those conversations got more, um, I guess the nomenclature changed. It went from a monster to kind of just talking to me about it. Oh, okay, and it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just really cool because, yeah, you're absolutely right, because my dad, again, eighth grade education, is, is talking to me about the neurobiology of addiction. He's talking to me about genetic predisposition to addiction and external factors. He'll talk to me a lot about friends and influence, and people are going to ask you to smoke weed, and people are going to ask you to drink, and you're different than other kids, and you want to be mindful. And I listened to it. Like it was literally like a tape mm -hmm. that played in my head every time somebody asked me if I wanted to get high or, or drink at a keg party. And I would say no. And it was so funny because I grew up Roman Catholic in a very, you know, my mom's family was Italian, very, very Catholic. Dad was kind of, an, you know, a non-practicing kind of Protestant type of dude. But um, we all went to Catholic school. Um, we all kind of grew up together. And because I was always the one that said no. Um, they ended up nicknaming me Sister Jerry, like huh. as if I was a nun, my friends. Yeah, but 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 <laughs> sadly, I mean, it's awesome that you could actually, you know, hold on to that and and live 
those lessons, not just hear them, but actually live those lessons like that. And and tragically, I'll bet a number of your friends there in Kensington aren't even around today. Yeah. Um, so I was back and forth between Kensington, where my parents split, and the northeast section of Philadelphia, which was a nicer area, much nicer area. Um, I could you know, sadly say that I think it was my sophomore year of high school, I attended six funerals oh. for friends that all died of unintentional heroin overdoses. So, yeah. Lost you know, a lot I, of friends. I think when you bring a story like that, it, it actually, I don't know, I mean, it gives a lot of strength to uh, to the fact that you're trying to help people, and this is where it comes from. And that's why I like to, I love to have you on the show. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's And it continues. Like, I, I try to do what I can. Uh, to help folks, but here's the thing that that I have to remind myself of: it's not it's not my battle. Um, I will be there 100 percent to support somebody who's who's struggling with addiction, who's ready for the help. Yeah. But you know what I mean? You can't you can't force them. You have to meet people where they are, and you just help them when they're ready to be helped. And as you say about getting back to work, those anxieties take it a step at a time. Remind yourself of something fun like, oh, I get to go to Kohl's and buy some new pants because I'm chubby now or, <laughs> or, or whatever. But, you know, try to find uh, something fun and, uh, and light about getting back to work and, and overcome those, uh, those anxieties. Jerry Lynn, Dr. Jerry Lynn, um, I, I love listening to you. So I'd like to have you on again next, next week sometime. All right, awesome. Thank you so much, Rick. And I, I really like chatting with you because I feel like I'm talking to a friend instead of probably all the listeners. So you make me, you help my anxiety. So thank you for that. Wow. Okay, then. I got nothing to say. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> there, just See thank you, you. All right, take care. Bye. Yeah, I'm terrible at compliments. Uh, thanks.